Hey there, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of the Natureversity Podcast. Today, I have with me Tammy Katner from the Hamilton Pool Farms and Vineyard out in Dripping Springs, and it is a wonderful organization that I have loved to frequent as far as all of the different events that y'all have going on out there. The last one I attended was the fall one for the costume parties and all that, which just happened. And um, Tammy, tell us all about what's going on out there. Yeah, gosh, we have we have so much. So our property is sixty five acres, and we are we have a vineyard, ten acres of vines, and so we have a tasting room. We have a vineyard house, and we also have a farm. It's about one and a half acres. It's regenerative, biodynamic, and it's also our education space. We run farm school. We have adult classes, and we provide food for the community through our CSA program and for our restaurant. Jeez. Can, can you just, I mean, how do we get that everywhere? <laughs> it is a lot of work. Lot, I bet it work. is. Yes. What, what's the biggest thing that uh, funds y'all? Is it the wine? Is it the gardens? Is it the programming? What, yeah. what brings y'all the most well, funding? Yeah, it's definitely, um, I mean, to be able to afford property that is 65 acres yeah. in, in the Austin area, the fact that it came with a built-in business model of the, the winery has yeah. been, you know, the main thing, but, um, yeah, we actually bought the property December, 2019 and hit the ground like December 31st. So hit the ground running January 1st, 2020, did some remodeling, did some things and we're ready to open March, 2020. And yeah, boom, exactly. And one of our (laughs) big, um, business models was going to be weddings and events and big things, which obviously were not happening. Oh my goodness. So it was kind of like, okay, now what? <laughs> yeah. Um, luckily for me, since my, my baby, the part that's my focus of this whole business is the farm, of course. And it put a lot of attention there, which was, that was going to develop because there, there was no farm. We were building it from scratch, everything from scratch. And it was going to be done in a way that we were going to bring people on to build it with us, teachable, like blank land in Texas. What do you do? And like, come along, we'll teach you. But that kind of wasn't happening either because everything shut down. But what it did is it made us escalate that because, you know, grocery stores were closing down. People were, the farmers at the farmer's markets were being overwhelmed. So um, there was just a big need for this to happen now. Schools were shutting down. We're always going to have an education space. Um, So it was like, okay, we're going to do this now. So that's, it happened. Wow. That's, this is a triumphant story. (laughs) I had no idea. Mm -hmm. I thought y'all were rocking and rolling for quite a long time. The the Hamilton Pool Farms and Vineyards, you you said you bought it in 2019, but how long has it been open since then? No, it wasn't open yeah. prior to 2019? No, it, well, it was. It so was. We, we bought it from the hus- husband-wife team that hand-planted everything back in 1998. Wow. So, oh, yeah. so it has been going. Yeah. I was so, like, and wow. And it was previously did... West Cave Cellars. Okay. Yeah, and they just moved their operation into high. Nice. And yeah. so now you've got 10 acres of garden. And what kind of things are you growing out there? Gosh, just all the seasonal stuff, Every all, all, everything that we can really we also grow medicinal herbs. I'm an herbalist, so um, do a lot with that. But yeah, like right now we're in that transition, you know, basically with this cold snap that we just had, a lot of our summer stuff is done, but moving into fall and winter crops. So all the brassicas are coming back. It's almost pretty much like spring. Yeah, (laughs) Spring and fall here are kind of, kind of the same, except I mean, our winter, our winters get crazy, but we're getting high tunnels put in, which is going to be huge to keep things not as crazy because pretty much what you have to do is you get these overnight cold and then you get 
you know, 60 plus days, which we have to cover the plants with these low tunnels, right? But then it gets super hot underneath. So yeah. You have to take them off, put them on, take them off. And that's just like, you know, crazy amount of time. So these high tunnels are great. Well, I'm excited to um, share with more of our listeners about what it is you're doing out there. Because I know the garden is just one aspect and there's opportunity. I, th- I think the best th- I-, I send people out there all the time. And the reason that I tell them, I say it's kids gardening. It's the kids doing the gardening, mm-hmm. you know, and that's what um, really I feel we're lacking at Natureversity. I don't have any opportunities to do that. And I really feel like one of the best ways for children to develop empathy and patience and, you know, the persistence in to see something through the, to the end. And then they get to bring that hard work to something that is completely tangible to them, which is food and sustenance. And so I'm just so excited to hear you share about how your programs work out there. So with the homeschoolers, what days are they attending? Yeah, so our farm school is on Fridays for homeschool kids. There's also a few alternative schools that are just Monday through Thursday. So that's kind of why we went with the Friday day. Um, And we also have a Saturday program for kiddos that go to school or just if Saturday works better. Um, but yeah, you know, my background, I have lots of things in my background, but I was a, I am a nutritionist and, um, previously we owned restaurants and one of my big roles in the restaurants was trying to keep things sustainable, which is really difficult to do when you're mass producing food. And these were sushi restaurants, which, um, you know, the, the fish side of things is sustainable. There's a lot of rules and regulations around fishing and keeping it sustainable, but it's the vegetable that's the other side. It's really, really hard to support the local organic farmer down the road just because the whole economics of our food systems is so messed up. So, um, you know, we own these restaurants for quite some time and we're really getting to the place where we're like, let's actually do a legit farm to table. There's a farm to table restaurants are kind of, you know, the hype, but when you really kind of look into it, it's like, it's not really farm to table. Mm-hmm. I mean, everything comes from a farm, right? Um, but we wanted to have this land where it's like, here's the farm, and then here's the table. Like, it's that close. And and then teach around that. Like, why why is it really – we all hear it's important to eat locally and stuff like that, but why? It goes a little further. So that's what we wanted to do, and it took a really long time to find that land because, you, you know, we know here in this part of Texas there's this rock everywhere, so it, there's not a lot of farmland. Price has to be right, and – so we were lucky in finding this vineyard that came with that built-in business model. Um, but for me, my whole my whole life, my path of healing, my path of growth has always been reconnecting with nature. And so just kind of bridging those two, you know, learning to grow things and then learning what I'm learning just from connecting with nature, rewilding, like all that stuff has just been so profound and they help each other you know like I as an herbalist and you know someone who enjoys connecting with nature I love wild harvesting and stuff like that um but you know we have to grow our own food too right we have to help grow food for other people I wish we all could just live off the land and stuff like that but um so that's really what kind of came together with this business is how can I meld those two and how can I create a place where people can come and learn that and be part of it and with children, because adults want to learn it all day, but realistically, they'd rather, you just have jobs, they have things, but they'll put their kids in it and hope that their kids will, you know, learn the skills that we're all trying to relearn, yeah. unlearn to relearn, so. Isn't that an interesting world, right? <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> so, um, when do they show up? What time? Uh, it's from nine to two. Yeah. 
And so how does it, how does the day, like what does a typical day for those kids look like for parents listening out there? Yeah. Um, we always start, um, so you had Braden on the podcast recently yes. and he is one of our farm school teachers. He's oh, amazing. Yeah. And he does our teacher training. So he talks about the eight shields model and, mm-hmm. um, for people that follow the wheel of the year, you can kind of connect with that with like rising in the East and there's energy. And so we always start the day with games and they're always, um, um you do these at your nature program, they're experiential, experiential learning and their movement and there's so much going on. So we start there. And then everybody goes to their classes. We are ages 3 to 15. So we have a 3- and 4-year-old class, a 5- and 6-year-old, 7 and 8, 9, 10, and then 11+. plus. And, um, you know, based on their age, they're going to start a little bit differently and based on the teacher. Um, some get right into sit spot. Um, some get into story. It just depends. It, it's real flowy, too, because it's outdoors. And I'm sure you know this. The weather is going to change mm-hmm. everything in behavior. If, oh, there's, yeah. if there's wind, the little ones are going to be crazy. So there's a lot more movement. If it's, you know, a fluctuating where it's super hot, super cold or whatever. So there's a lot of flow because of that. But we also really do try to keep a rhythm so they know what to expect. But there's movement. And then, again, depending on the weather, if it's going to be a hot day, we'll start with farm chores in the morning. So the afternoon is more in the shade. And the chores rotate. It's feeding chickens. It's visiting the cows, feeding them grass. Um, We do a lot of harvesting. The kids love to harvest. Fridays are big, huge um, production days. Our farmers are out there harvesting like everything because that's when we pack all of our CSAs and the kids are out there helping. We talk about how this is going to the community, which is so helpful because lots of little ones love to harvest and like stick as much as they can in their pocket because they just know it's so special and they're picking it out of the ground. And oh, they're yeah. just like, I want this for myself. And But we tell them like, this is this is going to someone's family and you you get to help in this process and they feel pretty excited about that. I would, I would if I was a youngster. I yeah. mean, I do now and I'm, you know, an old dude. And yeah, uh, <laughs> yeah I'm just thinking about like, some of the things I want to know is, have you seen massive turnaround in like child development or behavioral issues or you know expressions that you're like wow this was maybe a not so healthy way to emote but now through this gardening through this tending of the soil I see this child kind of developing better or you know do you have any um, stories like that that you've seen yes yeah yes huge if you don't mind sharing some yeah absolutely you don't have to give names (laughs) (laughs) um I see a couple things a lot of things but um you know, it's, it's outdoors. Like all of our classrooms are under either an oak tree or a cedar elm tree. You know, they're beautiful. Mm -hmm. They're sitting on hay bales. Part of the rhythm is when they arrive, they bring a a towel that they, and the hay bales are scratchy. They put their, you know, towel over the hay bale and they just kind of sit there and they're just taking everything in. You know, there's people out harvesting. There's just, there's just, it's beautiful. Um, some kids will just take that in kind of almost like they're immediately grounded. These tend to be a little bit more like your empathic kids you know mm-hmm. that are just like they are so connected and they're just in and then you get um more so kind of coming from the boys roughly around the age five six seven they're coming in and they're just like all oh, this space freedom sticks everywhere trees and they have this energy that just needs to be released mm-hmm. and they cannot contain it until they do and sometimes it looks aggressive um sometimes it just you know because it's they're putting their hands on other kids they just have so much that they need to release but our teachers are trained for this to give them the outlets um 
because it's really beautiful when they have that opportunity. You know, they're not allowed to climb trees. So many of these kids come from these beautiful HOA subdivisions, you know, where everything is just kind of, you're not allowed to, you're not, or it's not safe. Be careful, be careful. And so we teach them how to be in their body. And one of our rules is if you can climb it yourself, you can, but I can't help you. And so if they can climb it, you know, we're, we're there to help. Of course, yeah, it's not just like, Oh, rule. look at you. I'll be over here. Right. Um, but it really is like, you know, we just talk about being in your body. Like, what well, do you, how, how you, you know, cause sometimes they'll climb up and then they're terrified to get down. Right. So it's about just like, okay, check in with your body. And we talk a lot about when you start to overthink and now fear set in, you're not going to be able to make a rational choice. You got up there. It's actually easier coming down. So what can you do? And you walk them through it. Um, that's, that's one of the biggest, I feel like, is um, a lot of the kids that have just that built-up energy from not being able to express it, maybe in healthy ways. Yeah. Um, we help them with that. And, you know, there's just magic in being outside, putting your hands in the soil, working with animals, you know. We, um, we keep our classes no more than 10, 10 um, students per teacher, and then the youngers have an assistant. And so we're really able to recognize, like, okay, this kid – needs to even go a little deeper and the chickens oh my gosh chickens are like little therapists because what <laughs> what kid doesn't like chickens but we can bring them over to chickens and we start talking about the different behavior and usually the boys can really connect to the roosters you know we talk about how their their job is to protect the hens and like that one's really mean but he's mean because he's a warrior you know we're, we're reaching out to the personality of this kid and what they're really trying to express and you know it's it's a beautiful transformation for sure yeah. 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 We let the kids get a wily and all that at Natureversity too. You know, we let them wrestle and we let them get crazy and swing sticks and we always, but we talk about why we're doing it, yeah. you know? Absolutely. And so I'm sure you, as you heard on the podcast with Braden, we talk about like, we're trying to do dangerous things safely. Yeah. And through that, we're going to get them to hope. I, I really feel like it frustrates me because I don't know how to examine children without the internet. Like there's no like case study that I can like go and look. I mean, I guess there is, I'd have drive pretty far, maybe to like an Amish community or something, but like, I really want to see like the difference in really deep rooted, you know, nature connection versus like, um, Oh, you know, we live in this HOA, but we're sending our kids to this thing. Like I want to see like, what is the difference between kids who like live on a farm and kids who, go to one here and there. I think they're very close, but I want more kids to be like that. I want, I just don't know what's um, the big inspirational push to get kids outside. And that's what I'm always asking the guests is what, what do you think or is the biggest barrier to stop kids from going outside or stopping kids from going outside? Yeah. Well, yeah. Looking at where you live. Um, if you look at how a lot of these homes and these subdivisions are built, they are, you walk in and like, wow, this is a beautiful home. And there are two stories. And then the downstairs are, there's the masters down there, the kitchen, the living room, there's some sort of formal. But then the upstairs is like kid paradise. Yeah. There's a loft, there's a theater room, there's this and this. So not only are they on the, they're not on the ground level. Now they're upstairs where there's Whoa. so much going on. I um, never so of that. to get them to go outside in your little backyard which probably has this beautiful play structure that was thousands of dollars and you've got grass you know you parents that I'm a parent I have five kids so I've been there done that with all of these but if you just kind of look at how you set it up it, and if you were that kid 
it would be really hard to come downstairs and then to go outside because there's so much distraction. I mean, we were all raised in the generation where it was boring inside the house. And if you had a really good parent, your parent, if you're inside, they'd make you do chores, right? So you're like, I'm out, I'm outside. And I grew up in San Diego, concrete jungle. I had a little tiny backyard. Luckily, there was this big open field behind, so it felt expansive. But I never wanted to be inside because it was boring. So I think about some of these houses. I'm like, I live there as a kid. That'd be hard to get me outside, and I'm an outside person. So, um, you know, and there's this parenting philosophy. It's called RIE. stands for Respectful Infant Education, something like that. And it basically helps parents, like when they have this infant and this um, little baby, how to be real attuned to, like, their cries and their movements. I mean, even to the point that you can, like, potty train them, essentially, when they're infants because you know it's coming. You're like, oh, they're going to poop or they're going to pee. Um, and then it goes into kind of like toddlerhood. And one of the main things they teach is like creating yes spaces so that you don't have to tell your child no. Like, how is your home set up for like, oh, be careful, you know, or you're, oh. you got to really think about that constantly because it makes you work too hard as a parent. I mean, and you know, this as an, as a nature teacher, like you can't have, um, kids in a situation that's going to be dangerous and keep telling them, no, you need to set them up for success. Right. right. So it's about mm-hmm. creating your environment for what you want. And so I think there's a lot of parents of our generation that are unlearning so much. They're realizing now that they've come full circle, they're kind of like, dang, there's some really important stuff that our generation missed. And I want that for my kids. And they are in these big, beautiful homes or, or maybe they're not, but they're just kind of like, feel stuck. Like, what do I do? There's just so much, so many moving parts, but they know my kid needs to be outside more like I was as a kid or maybe I wasn't as a kid. And so they're so grateful for programs like what you offer and what we offer. And, and everybody wants to be a homesteader now. So, you know, they're like, send my kids to farm school and they'll learn to do this garden, which is a step in the right direction. But I really think like if parents really truly have this desire to um, reconnect and have their children reconnect, you almost have to like sit down and relook at your, your home map, so to speak, and be like, am I setting this environment up so that it's not hard to go outside? That, that blew my mind, Tammy. (laughs) (laughs) That was not the answer I was expecting. That was incredibly beautiful. Um, That makes me feel like now, like, okay, what, what are we doing like as a city Mm -hmm. to get kids out? Exactly. You know, like, so now we just simply extrapolate this design of how, you know, to inspire those around us to get outside and want to be outside. That's the problem is I think that like through design, you know, these mega meta, all this stuff, they're wanting kids to be in that digital universe. But I'm just confused as to why. Like there's no tangible five cents reality that you're fully going to get in that world. But they're trying to sell it to us as though we're going to get that. And so I'm just hoping and praying because I feel like you and I, like we grew up with the Internet. They're growing up in the Internet. Mm -hmm. And I think that's a very big difference. And uh, I'm just my hat goes off to anyone who's uh, telling kids, hey, man, there's a lot of fun stuff to do out here. Let's let's go outside and play. So when you get through the big game um, on Fridays there, you circle up, you do some stories and then you jump right into your classrooms. And so what are the things that you're doing in those classrooms from like you said it was seasonal. So like, for instance, let's say we just got done with fall. We're kind of transitioning into winter 
or maybe we're still in fall. You never know in Texas. Uh, it could be spring in the middle of November. <laughs> but yeah, what are some things that y'all are doing like right now? Yeah, so we just finished our fall semester. So they all of our semesters run 10 weeks at a time. So we're basically seed to harvest. So the kids are planting seeds and they get to see it, you know, grow and, and harvest it. Um, and so they're doing, you know, things according according to that. We, um, we bridge a lot of nature skills and what we do because they just go hand in hand. You know, even though we're growing food in a manipulated environment, like we have rows, we, our practices are, they mimic nature. You know, we're using all of those techniques, but we're still manipulating nature, right? Um, but it's really hard to understand soil. I mean, we do talk about soil science, but it's hard to understand that whole process if you're not connected to it. You know, so to go out and observe like mushrooms growing, like, hey, it did that all on its own. What's going on there? Oh, wow, it's growing out of a deadlock. Why is it growing out of deadlock? You just keep breaking everything down so that it makes so much sense when the kids are asked to take this like mushroom byproduct and we sprinkle in the soil. Um, they've got that full connection, right? Because um, if we're just saying, oh, this is mycorrhiza, and mycorrhiza helps with this, it does this really cool thing, it's the internet of the soil, and we can talk about that, and they can go, whoa, but it's that full circle seeing it out in nature. Exactly. And understanding weather pattern and bird language. I mean, to keep animals alive, like we know, birds, they tell us everything. So we teach all of that. And, um, yeah, it's it's just kind of, they kind of go hand in hand. So got to have one without the other. Yeah. There's a lot of uh, opportunities for kids, I think, to – see that full circle in different ways but when oh man like as a, as a kid growing up I would be in my backyard with my grandfather and I didn't like jalapeno peppers but I would eat them because I knew we grew them mm-hmm. I hated them they burned my mouth they caused me pain and terror <laughs> but I couldn't not eat yeah. one with my grandfather yeah. Because he was like, yeah. go check this one out. Like, oh, look yeah. at this one. Like, I was just so enamored yeah. because we got to go to the store, ride in his truck and mm-hmm. pick out seeds and talk to other farmers. And yeah, like we were living out in like Petrenko, Medina, West San Antonio out there and growing all kinds of peppers. And um, the soil for you, how, what, what's absolutely like never going to grow out there because of mm-hmm. the soil? Actually, our soil's amazing. Really? So you don't know a lot of like... Limestone or caliche on that we, side? We actually don't have a lot of rock, which is crazy. What? In fact, it's it's funny because sometimes we need rocks to like hold down our tarps or whatever, and we have to go walk super far to find uh. rock. Yeah, so we're down on Hamilton Pool Road, right by the Hamilton Pool itself and mm-hmm. West Case Preserve. So yeah. it's it's a beautiful drive. You almost kind of feel like you're like, am I in Texas? Like the, it just looks way different. It's pretty lush, which is why the previous owner found it amazing to grow um, his vines. So, yeah, it, I mean, there's a lot of clay. It's, it's like the weather. You can walk 50 feet and you're going to get almost different soil. It's like the weather. You wait two hours, you're going to get different weather. But for the most part, I mean, we haven't had to do a lot. We just, um, when we broke ground, we use a plow. We didn't, we're no till. We just use a plow to kind of rip the soil. Mm -hmm. And we just went in with a bunch of compost and now we make all of our compost, put seeds in and it's been growing. So we didn't have to do do a ton there, which is amazing. <laughs> yeah. Is yeah. that, you said, um, you don't, you don't do tilling, right? Mm-hmm. Isn't that an old thing? Like that yeah. people used to just turn the soil, turn the soil, yeah. but they're just ruining it. Yeah. Well, it's like, I'm going to dominate you soil. Yeah. Tilling, the method of tilling is if you can imagine like claws that go into the soil and they, they churn it up. And 
what they're doing is they're ripping out the weeds. They're getting rid of what you don't want. It's making really fluffy soil. It's easy. You know, there's a lot of tilling machines. You just like, okay, I'm done with you. I'm going to rip you out and, you know, be done and move on to the next. But it's completely ruining the diversity in the soil. Like you're destroying all of that. And I always like to use the (laughs) metaphor of like, it's crazy, right? Like you have an anthill, right? And I think a lot of little kids are fascinated. They want to like poke it with a stick and like see every them scurry or there's tons of fire ants here. You accidentally step on yeah, it and oh just yeah. madness happens, right? Because we've completely, if we could see under the soil, we'd see this beautiful home, right? All these tunnels and mm-hmm. so much going on and that disruption, that frenzy, that's what happens in the soil. I mean, you're, you're ruining all of it and it has to rebuild and um, that takes a really long time. And one thing that happens in the process is you're releasing carbon. You're releasing a lot of the um, minerals and gases that need to stay in there. And so now water is going to have a harder time staying because, you know, carbon's going up. Um, there's there's just a lot going on with it that you don't have to do. But also, if you look at big ag, I mean, they're farming thousands and thousands of acres. Like, you cannot sustainably do regen. I mean, well, you can, but they think they can't because of how they set up their process. So, you know, it's, it's really simple. I mean, nature always wins, right? Always has answers. She knows what to do to recycle herself, even after major catastrophes. And so you just learn for what she's doing. And then that's how you do farming. And it ends up being cheaper. Like we don't spray anything. That saves us a ton of money. We make our own compost. We have chickens. We have cows. You know, we have a lot of weeds. We have a lot of, we have a restaurant, so we get to use all of that. And making compost is, is really easy. You know, it's it's just getting the method down. But you just, you know, you just keep putting on and putting on, and you don't have to do any of that stuff. Do y'all have tours that you could bring people out and say here's how we do things like do y'all have absolutely yeah yeah. we do farm tours we love volunteers so people that are interested in like okay what is this really about like what does no-till mean how do I do this maybe they're new to the area and they have no idea what can grow here a lot of people think you cannot grow in the summer and you come out to our farm and it looks like a lush jungle so if you're just interested or just want to be outside want to contribute yeah we love volunteers and our head farmer is awesome he will talk your ear off and he's so smart and yeah, so we can teach you anything you want to know. Very cool. Mm-hmm. Um, so volunteer opportunities, what type of volunteer opportunities are there? Yeah, you just, I mean, you come when you can and then whatever's going on is going on. You know, right now we're planting like crazy. Everything's coming out of the greenhouse. We have to start our, believe it or not, we start our fall and winter crops um, in, in August pretty much when it's super hot. But they grow, so all that's going into the ground yeah. right now. And then there's still harvest every single day. There's, um, you know, s- seeding some more in the greenhouse. Mm-hmm. There's We make compost tea, which is kind of cool um, to learn how that works. Again, it's super simple. It's just making this probiotic tea that we spray with our irrigation on the plants. And it's like giving it a probiotic so that if the bugs do come and put pressure on our plants, then they're just a little – it's like a – boosting your immune system. You know, yeah. you're just a little more robust. You can handle it. So that's super fun, easy thing. You're just like, oh, that's no brainer. And nature creates that. You know, it rains and, um, you know, all this stuff like soaks and starts biodegrading. You've kind of got, you know, all this like mushy, gooey stuff in nature that just starts leaching out. And, you know, that's that's all we're doing. 
How? Where? Where were you born? Where did you? Where did you? Where did you, yeah. where did you get started? I was started born in this? San Diego, California. San Diego. San Diego. And what was what was childhood like? Did you have access to gardens? And you said you you know grew up kind of in a HOA type environment. Were were your family traveling a lot? Did y'all go to national parks? Like what got mm-hmm. you into being so <clears throat> nature centric? Yeah. So I'm so fortunate that I was born into a very humble family, meaning like we. We didn't have a lot of money, so vacations were never, they were camping. Yeah. They were always free. So, you know, we went to parks and the beach growing up. And when we go camping, we're going to Big Bear, we go to Yosemite, to the local San Diego mountains. And um, it's funny, so I have a brother who's two years older than me. And my mom and brother, I think, hated camping. But we needed family vacations, and that's all we could afford was to go camping. My mom still to this day, she's I, I don't like sweating. I just don't like to sweat. Mm. You know, they're just, it's it's still so interesting to me how resistant some people are to nature. Yeah. You know, it's just terrifying to them. And, I, I you know, as an herbalist, looking more into it, I'm like, okay, there's a nervous system thing going on. But my dad and I, um, you know, we would just go out, and I was always like I've become like this Native American girl and I try to follow deer and I'd get so upset that I didn't have the skills to catch a deer, you know, thinking it was that easy. Um, and I was just so curious, like you look around and <clears throat> everything kind of looks the same, a sea of green. And I wanted to know what they were. I wanted to know what can I eat and what and I couldn't, but I didn't have anyone around me to teach me. And my dad who has he knows nothing about nature, but he, um, he's a storyteller and he would make up stories. You know, I'd be like, well, that there is a, he'd come up with some random name and he'd be like, and (laughs) you know, and I'm just, I know he's kidding and he doesn't know. And then this bird flies and he's making up this story, but I'm fascinated. Like it just turned something on where I'm like, someday I will know this. So I, I just think I naturally had this, um, awareness open of like when I meet someone who can teach me I'm gonna just like you know and um so yeah just being really open to that I, I think it was just kind of inherent you know yeah yeah how did uh wh- did you you grew up there in San Diego what till like your s- former school years how long were you there yeah I, I went all the way through college I went to San Diego State and I played volleyball for San Diego State and what did um, you study um I was social science So I always wanted to be a teacher. And the funny thing about social science is it allowed me to teach um, like history, geography, like all that stuff I was really into. But I could also be a park ranger Mm. because social science had this emphasis environmentalism because I always wanted to be a park ranger, too. I thought that just social science has a stint into environmentalism. Yeah, I guess so. I'm trying to think how that works. Yeah. Well, because it's I don't know. It's bringing together history and geography and political science so you can do legislation it kind of ties all of those that's pretty much what the the major was um yeah so I went there and then shortly after graduating college I actually had my first child which talk about catapulting everything because again (laughs) like I I didn't really have um a, a lot of people still come in my life to like you know catapult me and like what I was beaming attracting in but then I have this child and I'm like oh, I don't even have health insurance and then I'm trying to do this like baby thing and everyone's telling me stuff so I'm like that makes no sense that's ridiculous <laughs> and what were they telling so, you so much pressure and then also growing up in a place like San Diego where it's expensive to be 23 years old 
it was like I was back in time and everyone was like, you shameful thing. Like, uh, because everyone's like 40 by the time they start having kids there because it's just, I'd imagine it's like that in a lot of maybe New York City or something. So there was a lot of like the shame of like, oh, you you just got your college degree. You're not going to be able to do much with it. This is weird energy all over and then oh, being fed to you being fed yeah. and then assuming see that assuming because i'm young too and i'm reckless right like oh my gosh you're like having a kid out of, and it wasn't even like out of wedlock it was just more it was weird i was like oh my god are we still in the 1950s what's happening but i just realized i was like okay i'm gonna have to learn how to take care of myself like medically and all this stuff so that really catapulted that um she started studying herbalism. Started, yeah, in just a really, really interesting way. Just holistic, just everything. Like, prevent, like preventative type, what I'm eating and putting in yeah. my body and what I'm consuming yeah. with my five senses, yeah. yeah. And the, the books, what to expect when expecting. And I'm oh, yeah. reading that and I'm just like, <laughs> no. And I didn't even know, I'm just like feeling into it. And I'm like, this is really, it's what everyone's saying? Like, th- this does not feel right. But again, like there's no... There's not this hippy dippy environment. There's there's nothing around me. So luckily, yeah. we moved to um, Abilene, Texas, shortly after. Which again, um, there's not that community, but there was open space. There was um, not the hustle bustle. There was, um, and it was just it was a, a a nice relaxation for me. Just small town vibe. Everything slowed down, and so I was able to just kind of. Um, take a break and the funny thing is is then moving to texas you know here i am with this little baby and i'm 23 and i'm coming off of this like you're too young to like you know all these sweet old ladies going oh girl when i was your age i had five kids and like you're an old maid if you're like oh thank you (laughs) and it felt so much better right it's like wow okay yeah you know it just when you um the the culture of where you live is is pretty profound and i always felt that about san diego um you know, people now they're like, oh my God, you're from San Diego. That place is so beautiful. It's so this, so this. And I'm like, <laughs> you know, it's actually an arid desert and it's beautiful because people have completely like landscaped it, but it actually has this old history because it was so infertile. And I always felt into that energy and I was just like, you know, so very excited to get away. Yeah. But yeah, kids will, kids will talk, you know, <coughs> awaken you to, I think your purpose, what you're meant to be here for. For, and they will challenge you to make sure you stay on it because they know when you're when you're not in your in your truth in your alignment and when you go out of it they're that's when they're gonna be like no 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 I'm gonna make things difficult for you to pull you back in. <laughs> Do you ever read any of um, uh, Ishi? You know who Ishi is Mm-mm. Ishi is a native uh, Yani or uh, Yahi uh, from San Diego mm. kind of area in California. So if you want to share a story about your native homeland. There's a story about this gentleman, Ishii. A uh, book is called um, In Two Worlds by okay. Dr. Krober. A uh, man and a wife, they were historians, but fascinating story um, about the natives from San Diego yeah. and how that what you were speaking about, how you used to be before yeah. this you know, yeah. forced attrition of we're going to live like this and make this city like this, um, what it was like prior to the settlement. Yeah. But it's a great, great story. So you get to Abilene mm-hmm. and you're enjoying, you, did you start farming at that point or did you start um, an herb garden or how, no, how, how are things looking as far no. as self care going at that point? Yeah. So, um, one, one of the joys of being a young parent is you're super poor. <laughs> no, just, 
that it was, um, you know, just didn't have the always renting type of thing, but definitely staying alert to it. One thing, um, and there's not a lot of people growing vegetables. That wasn't always my thing was wanting to grow vegetables, but to be connected to old fashioned skills, there's a lot of farms around there that I would go visit, um, and try, you know, at least try to and connect. And I just was so, um, I just loved meeting people doing things, you know, how they've always been doing it, but also balancing that with what I started to really notice is then they're, they're just kind of stuck in these ways and they're doing it, um, in kind of a closed minded way, if that makes any sense, you know? So I I started to like, um, again, I'm like still desiring this, like this, how old fashioned way of doing things because it's connected because it feels good inherently to do things with my hands and, um, stuff like that. But then I kept falling into people who are, I, I still wanted more. I'm like, but how does it make you feel? And, you know, and I don't know, it just was still coming with a little bit of, um, um, not, not real intention, you mm-hmm. know? So it's just keeping open minded to there. And again, like, okay, well, I got to kind of like learn this on my own then. Um, yeah. And then, so I lived there for three years and after that went to North Carolina on the coast, which was, um, super, North Carolina is beautiful. Um, a lot of tobacco farms still. Oh, yeah. This is back in um, 2007. So it was still um, like that was their pride pride and joy. I actually had my third child when I was there. And um, the, <laughs> the maternity ward has a smoking section. So like when women, these are literally, they're Wait, there. Wait, still to this day? Well, this was back in 2007. When <laughs> <I had> them, <laughs> it's close enough. Right? I'm like <laughs> watching these sucker. women in their gowns, huge <laughs> no. bellies with their little, like their IVs are hooked up. So they're carrying the thing down to the balcony for smoking. And I'm just like. Wait, with the child in the stomach? Because they're in labor. So they're like kind of oh hunched over like smoking because they're contracting. I'm just like, um. Okay, oh I get God. you guys are prideful that you're a tobacco state, but oh my gosh, like what's going on? <laughs> <laughs> Why would that be happening? Yeah, I I kind of I don't know if it's still happening, but um. You ever yeah. seen the inside of those airport rooms for for smoking? Oh, I can only. Oh it's God, I think where something. was I? I think I was, I was in Denver or somewhere, and I walk by and there's like a still a smoking room. And there's people in there, and I was like, what? Yeah. This, I think this was back in 2016 or something. But I will never forget what I saw in the color of that room. Yeah. And it just blew my mind. I was like, oh, my God. Yeah, yeah that's a that's fascinating. Yeah. So you're, what was um, North Carolina like? I mean, you're bouncing from East Coast to East Coast. Yeah. And I'm East Coast to West Coast and, mm-hmm. and back and forth and in between. Where, have you ever lived super north? No. No. That, that's the thing is I, the um, tundras. yeah, <laughs> I have this, um, like, I really want the seasons, you know, yeah. I've always just lived where it's like, it's warm, you know, lots of sunshine, of course. And, you know, I experienced that, but yeah. And I like the cold. It's, I don't know if it has to do, well, it has to do with several things. I'm very like Irish. <laughs> so put me in a place like Texas where it's really hot and you know, I'm just, I can manage, but I'm like, I think I'm supposed to be where it's cold mm-hmm. and where there's seasons, but I've never lived there. So, and I think I could totally handle it. I'm just curious how I do with, um, maybe a place that doesn't get adequate sunshine because I've been so used to that. Yeah. 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 I lived up in Washington state for a while. It was, I couldn't take it. Portland yeah. area. Yeah. Yeah. No. Because <laughs> just because of the lack of sun or. Yeah. Yeah. It's just like dreary all the yeah. time. It's always overcast. 
Yeah. I didn't feel like even in the summers, August, I didn't feel we were getting anything that was like what I was used to here in Texas. Yeah. You know, but I was born and raised in Texas. Mm. And um, to me, the heat is like we were talking earlier about things that happen to you in nature. And um, I just feel like those are all the costs, you know, yeah. mosquitoes, ants, sure. hot, sweating. Your mom had said she doesn't like to sweat. That to me is a cost of going yeah. outside and everything has costs in life. And I'm OK to pay that cost to be out there as long as you're near water Absolutely. i think if you're just like in this and then what type of heat it's kind of like the cold you can have wet cold which is what we have yeah. here in texas and you have that dry cold in colorado which is yeah. real nice but um yeah that's that's uh, interesting that you're like yeah i don't know if i could tolerate the heat too much i'm like you live in texas yeah <laughs> yeah no i i totally get it. you got to be near water for yeah sure. you have and to be you near know, water it's one of the fascinating things i've been going diving into the research and looking into is just this because when I lived in San Diego, it's, it's an arid desert. Yeah. It's really, it really dry. Is. We get these Santa Ana's and every time a Santa Ana blew in, I was going to be down with a headache. There's so I started to learn on like there and I'm naturally more of a dry person. Like I'm a dry skin person. That's just my natural constitution. I was like at odds with the weather there, you know, constantly having to um, find different ways to stay hydrated. And so there's something to that, you know, that we all have like our, our genetics, Mm -hmm. you know, and, and that serves its purpose of like what we're supposed to be used to. Right. But we all live all around different places. And so it's, and then just the way sun, you know, sunlight works on our body. And even one fascinating thing about growing food, when you eat food that's in season, you're eating that sunshine, that amount of sunshine. So if you're eating food, like let's say it's winter here and you're buying tomatoes that come from different part of the world. <clears throat> it That sunshine that came with that is speaking to your, it's confusing your body in a way, if you really think about it, because you're not supposed to be eating tomatoes in the winter in right. Texas, right? And so there's this constant communication going on with nature, with sun, with everything. And of course what we're putting in our body, because it has taken up minerals from the earth. It's taken in the sunshine. It's taken in so much communication. And then that communicates to every single cell in our body. And it is constantly being confused unless we're eating um, more true to the cycles. And not you just, you feel better. And how beautiful is that? Like who doesn't want that deep connection? I think we're in a place in humanity, which this whole pandemic has really showed us about our how we deal with relationships and how we connect. I mean, systems are being broken down. There's this huge movement of reconnection to the earth because we know we need that, Mm -hmm. but we all don't have to like sell our house and move to the country. Like we don't have to do drastic stuff. We can start right there. Like there's plenty of farmers around that want you to come and buy their vegetables. If you can't even grow it yourself for whatever reason, but that's how you can connect is like just eating in season for where you're at. So we live in Texas, so we're going to eat differently than if we were in Michigan right now or Canada. There's just different things growing. Um, you know, we all know like Eskimo people barely ate vegetables. Yeah. There's all these, it's so convoluted. You know, you think about all these diets and people are like super high fat diet, like no vegetables and yes, vegetables and all these different things. And it's kind of like, well, look at who you are. Mm-hmm. Like, are you <clears throat> from that region? Like, are you an Eskimo person, then maybe you would do really good with super high fat. But if you are someone who is from more equator region, like you're, you know, you just got to really connect with you, 
and the land around you. And, um, yeah, it, it just feels good. Do you ever read that book, Eating for Your Blood Type? Yeah. Yeah. Uh-huh. That's very, like, a keen to, or what is the, God, I can't think of what it is. It's like when naturopathic doctors say, like, all right, we're going to test your, uh, what are the food sensitivities? They basically, like, I don't know, have you ever seen any of them do it? They hold an item and then they, like, rub your the blood yeah. in the vial like on there yeah. <laughs> I do I was blown away yeah. when I watched that process happen. I was like okay yeah. this seems like some witch doctor stuff but I mean the doctor had been doing it for 30 40 years and I'd seen his results and his clients and I'd met his people and I was like okay there's no way that this guy's just you know willy-nilly this stuff he's no yeah. something's going on inside him and he can feel it and um, yeah so I can't have potatoes and I can't have fruit and sugar um, together like yeah. combined mm-hmm. So yeah. if it's like, uh, if I'm, you know, doing a smoothie then I can't have a soda later or something like that, yeah. not that I drink a lot of sodas, but yeah. So, so your, I'm, your body's wisdom is telling you something there. You're not supposed to drink smoothies or sodas. Oh yeah. I pro- <laughs> probably, that's probably true. The smoothies, I, I'm not doing like all fruits. Yeah. I'm doing a big mix, yeah. but, um, I really do like drinking them. I know. Um, they're they're so good. good. They're good. But like. In nature, how do you make no. smoothies? No, how do you, you make know? smoothies? No, it's, no it's, way. We can so simplify our life by always saying like, how would this look in nature? No, it wouldn't look like that at all. No, because like, sure, you can get a mortar and pestle and, you know, but you wouldn't do that. Yeah, but I also don't live where there's bananas growing That's and I don't true. live where there's coconuts growing. Right. And I don't have access to, yeah. you know, uh, the spirulina plants that I'm putting right. in there. And so, right. the- so no wonder why your body is kind of, you know, saying that. <laughs> so that's, I'm really saying like, I think that if we look at that as like, okay, that's actually wisdom. Yeah. That's your body saying something like potatoes and fruit. So, you know, kind of like think about that and yeah. But I'm also Irish. Yeah. So what's up with the potatoes? Well, because they just want you to eat potatoes. Like in Ireland, that. there's no bananas. No, of <laughs> so course not. there you go. No, I, I like that. No. But mm-hmm. um. Yeah, it's almost as if, you know, once again, going back to the education of young children here, why why are we not being taught this, Tammy? This yeah. frustrates me so much. This mm-hmm. makes me believe that, like, there is actually, you know, people out there, like, and I just had, the only thing I can think is corporations that, like, big sugar, big, you know, uh, grain, big ag, all that, they're just, but I feel like you and all the other people out there are privy enough to this information. So it almost seems like the, um, what is that called? The hundredth monkey syndrome? Mm-hmm. Like that starts to take effect. Mm-hmm. And I guess it kind of is. And um, I'm really hoping it does because I want it. I want more more people to be doing this out here. What was the snowpocalypse like for y'all? Oh, gosh. Um, it actually wasn't that bad. Um, we have uh, row covers that we put over every single one of our rows. <clears throat> and the snow essentially turned them into an igloo. Okay. It kind of packed on the sides. Sure, sure. And we stuck some thermometers under there. <clears throat> and it stays 60 degrees under there. And then wow. our green, we made a greenhouse within a greenhouse in our greenhouse. So we have the tables that the plants are on. You stick them underneath. You put plastic over that and the plastic. And we had heaters, like space heaters. So, um, yeah, that was good. The, the hardest part was just for like two, three days maybe. None of us could drive there. Yeah. Yeah, and luckily my farmer at that time lived a mile and a half up the road, and he drove as far as he could, and then he walked yeah. to get there to um, break the ice f- for the water for the um, for the chickens. But yeah, it, it wasn't that bad. Um, I think we the only thing we got set back was our garlic, which we didn't cover because garlic can usually usually handle pretty cold. 
Um, and the reason why our garlic wasn't able to handle it is because it had been trained with warmth. Had this been somewhere else, it would have been like, I got this. But it was literally that drastic, right? It was like spring. So the garlic adjusted and then it was not spring. So we lost a lot of the garlic, but it wasn't too bad. Yeah. Yeah. But to, I wanted to say something about you're like, what is, what is happening now? Um, like, why aren't people like, is it marketing? Is it all that kind of stuff? And it is, but if you go even like further back, if you think of like the 1850s, the scientific revolution, industrial revolution, when all that stuff is happening and you look at like France or you look at England where, um, people that were of nobility, they did nothing, right? That was sort of, everyone else did it for them. But like you see the women sitting around doing nothing except needlework and, and the men of high status, they really didn't do much. That's sort of how society um. started to lead to is, um, because it's hard. It's hard to live off the land. It's hard to um, homestead. It's hard to do all of that, right? It's a lot of work. And so when it, society starts to advance and things shift, I mean, we're, I think it's inherent in humans to um, create easier, you know, and to create, um, it's part of our evolution, right? We just, you don't, you want to be smarter, not harder at things. Well, uh, and it gets so like messed up along the way. Every, every single person we know from culturally, right? We're all like, what, what's vacation? Sitting around on a beach with an umbrella and a drink doing nothing. Yeah. Right? That's yeah. literally people's yeah. mindset. Of that's vacation. Yeah, because who... And that's Florida for retirement, Mm -hmm. right? Um, Casinos in some situations. In Nevada, people sitting at those things just seeing all day. I've Mm -hmm. seen people retire that way. But yeah, you're right. I've never thought about that, that it's just absolute lethargy that you're attempting to attain. Yeah. And yeah, we... um, I just had um, Melissa Hagen. She's from the Tillery Plant um, Tillier Street Plant Company on the other day, and we talked about gardening. And I, I was saying, you know, I don't know what I'm going to do when I, what, what, what is retire, right? But the only thing that I can think to do is garden, mm-hmm. you know, because yeah. I don't want to have a stagnant existence. I, I, first of all, I don't know what is the parameters to say. All right, this is what is obtainable. This is what is achievable. Once I've gotten there. You know, mm-hmm. but also like I was sitting here the other day, a couple of weeks ago and I was like cleaning my house and I was just looking around and I was like, I just feel so good. Like everything about my life. Like I really like it. Like I don't need much more than this. Like I love what I have. And so I don't know how to tell people when they ask me like how I'm doing. I don't know how to say like, I have everything I need and I really love my life. Cause I think we're always trying to sell to people like what's the next thing on the horizon or mm-hmm. whatever we're doing, you know, this growth, 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 as though nature is like that. Yeah. Right. But my life right now, I'm like, I love what I have, you know? That's awesome. So, and I'm, I'm hoping that I can give kids that same understanding of just being where you're at with what you have and that it's okay if there's, I don't know, I don't want to use the word stagnation as though it's like a negative connotation, but to be where you're at, like it's okay. You're just in this mode. Yeah, because when uh, you know yourself, that's where you're at. You know yourself, and you so you're not needing anything more. You don't need to strive for anything more because you're there, and that's, that's I mean, that's what people need, and um, I think that we help give that when we're, teaching kids nature and connecting to 
these things are inherently human is it helps them find who they are because they get to slow down. Yeah. You know, that's probably one of the, the biggest things. I mean, the kids that leave our program, I don't know if they're ever going to go home and do a garden or want to be a farmer someday. I mean, that's not our intention is to raise, you know, teach little farmers, but it, there's a slowdown. There's a connection. If they are meant to be turned on to something with nature, they will. Yeah. You know, like I said, I, me and my brother grew up with the same camping trips. It never was his thing. You know, it maybe even pushed him more away where me, it lit me up. You know, so everybody, just like when you look out in nature, like everything, like what is the purpose of a mosquito? Like everything mm-hmm. has a purpose, even though we all hate mosquitoes. <laughs> Humans are no different. Like we all have our part to play in this, you know, ecosystem. And that's all going to look different. But you don't know your part if you don't experience certain things. And the things that we have to experience, I think this is where it gets convoluted. A lot of parents are like, so I got to get up for soccer. And then they got to play a musical instrument. And then they got to do this. I think that's not really what the intention is, is because you have to connect with the things that are inherently human, not removed from them. Sure, music is part of nature and stuff like that, but um, connecting with nature, like connecting with animals, taking care of animals, like being connected to your food source. Oh my gosh, like that's one yeah. of one of the biggest things. But all those skills, like, um, you know, how you teach these crayons that you made from earth pigments. I mean, art is so huge, you know, but art doesn't have to look like an art class that you have to sign up for and pay a lot of money. I mean, it can, but I think we overcomplicate things, you know, um, and we just need to remember like what, what, how is a human supposed, supposed to be in connection with nature? And then here we have this modern life. So how can we be as close to that? And it really makes parenting a lot easier because you don't have to do as much, but yet you're stimulating. It's stimulating to the child. Yeah. Tammy, I'm guaranteeing people who are listening to you talk right now are going to be like, where can I hear more from this woman? Mm-hmm. Uh, where? So wh- what, what do we do to find out how to get in contact with you and the Hamilton Pool Farm and Vineyard? And where can we follow you and all yeah. that stuff? Um, Instagram, we do most of our stuff. It's just Hamilton Pool Farms with an S at the end. Um, we're also on Facebook. Our website is hamiltonpoolfarms.com. Um, we, we also have the other website, which is hamiltonpoolvineyards.com, but we separate them just because they're very different, different entities. But that's where you can, you can find more information about what we do in our programs. And we have adult programs as well. We just taught a fermentation class, which was really awesome. I'm going to be starting an herbal apprenticeship pretty soon. And this will be, um, it's mostly for adults. I mean, kids could definitely be part of it if they're interested. But a lot of interest in wanting to know more about growing your own medicine and yeah. how to do it. So that'll be coming soon. Absolutely. I got to hang out with some uh, one, oh goodness, I'm forgetting her name. She was at the Mom's Night Out last thursday for Mm -hmm. hamilton pool farm and vineyard Mm -hmm. forgetting her name um said hi to her and um yeah i'm just loving everybody who's over there with y'all working um know a lot of the folks over there and have helped teach a few of them and brayden is still one of our teachers for natureversity so a lot of connections between the two of us so families if you're listening and you're out that way we cannot recommend uh hamilton pool farms school uh enough so Tammy, thanks so much for coming on. Thanks for having me. Appreciate it. We'll have you back on again because I want to hear updates about what's going on. I know y'all are growing out there. I know you're going to be doing more. So I eagerly await us to get back to do this again. Sounds good. All right. Thank you. Thank you. Bye, everybody.